One of the things about running a portrait photography business is you spend an awful lot of time in the company of couples and families. And you hear the way they speak, you see the way they, t- they treat each other, and you see the stresses and strains that exist within each and every family unit. And of course, our job as portrait photographers is to try and overcome all of those little foibles of life and try and create a vibrant, exciting, enjoyable set of memories and convert those into pictures. In this interview, I bring in someone who specialises in the language of relationships and talk to her about the kinds of things that we as photographers can do to improve our clients' experience. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. (laughs) So I don't really know quite why I thought of this. But at some point, it must have occurred to me that given the sheer number of families and couples that each of us face in a family portrait photography business, it might be interesting to talk to someone who specialises in the language, in the words and the body language, in the behaviours of couples, to see if there are any useful little nuggets that we could apply when we're working with our clients here in the studio. Uh, as it happens, as it happens, one of my clients is such a specialist. On top of that, she's one of the world's nicest people. So Kate Nicole is a relationship counsellor and an educator. and She works with couples and families all of the time. And so I brought her in partly because of her specialisms. Kate is forever on stage talking about this stuff. She trains other relationship counsellors um, and she's completely committed to using language to unlock the stresses and strains of relationships. But that's not really the main reason to bring someone on the podcast. The main reason to bring someone on the podcast is I thought it would be fun. I thought I'd learn something and I thought I would enjoy the conversation. And of course, so it proved to be. I mean, it helps that Kate is a client of mine. I've known her for years. And whenever we bump into each other, it really is a case of our loved ones lose us for a couple of hours because we just sit and chat and just enjoy the things we talk about. She truly is one of life's nice people. Anyway, from a podcast point of view, of course, I set out first by asking her to describe a little about herself. So I do sort of uh, a couple of different things. Um, I um, have my own practice where I um, work with couples or just actually sometimes family relationships where um, people are uh, not having a great time and they are looking to... um, bring some um, resolution into their relationship. So, um, <laughs> what do you mean by resolution? Yeah, resolution is, well, would, some people come uh, wanting you to adjudicate their conflict right. when people come for couple counselling. It's so sort of like ACAS for marriage. It's, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like, right, uh, we're going and I'm telling this lady all the stuff that you do and she's definitely going to be telling you off. Um, that's sometimes the vein in which people come. And how, that's intriguing. How does that pan, typically? Um, uh, they very quickly realise that it's not the game, <laughs> right. which is why I say resolution, because it's all about helping people find a solution to the the often the, the poor communication habits that they've created over 
whatever amount of time. Um, so it's about, it's not about fixing people's relationships, it's about helping them to recognise why they've gone the way that they've gone and and how they might learn to um, to recognise that and recognise when it's happening again and, and, and learn how to fix it for themselves. And so, what proportion of the relationships boils down to communication issues more than anything else? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> all, all of them, all of them. Um, and, and that's why the other part of my job is I train frontline practitioners who work with vulnerable families. So right. social workers, health visitors, I train them to have these conversations with their families because, you know, family relationships, as everybody listening to this will know, uh, even the closest, most loving families, you know, it's hard. Relationships are difficult. Um, and sometimes situations like lockdown, you know, put intense pressure. And as soon as stress is a relationship kryptonite, so as soon as we have stress in a relationship, it tests how we as a unit, be that a family or a couple, how we adapt together to be able to deal with the situation that we find ourselves in. Why does stress compound a problem as opposed to, I guess what the question I'm trying to drill to and wording it very badly is in a stressful situation, the people you're closest to would seem to me the people you need the most support with, the most dialogue with, they're your team. Yeah. And yet I know historically and also, I mean, you know, I recognize that in my own situations. Yeah. Why is it that stress, instead of triggering like a football team, they get together and get closer? Why in a loving relationship, why does it seem to trigger a kind of tearing or, or pressure mm, within mm. the relationship? Why is the difference? Um, often because if you, especially if you take a couple relationship, so you turned up to the beginning of that relationship with all your past experiences with you so like your own baggage we all have baggage that we brought with us some of it makes you more vulnerable and some of it makes you more resilient so you you bring with you the way you were parented the culture you've been brought up in um you know all your life experiences the other person brings theirs and they don't they don't match right so we're having to work out okay i've chosen you you've chosen me that's what makes it complicated because because we don't start a relationship as a blank piece of paper right. that we then write on together yeah. and work out how we're going to meet each other's needs when we get stressful. We've brought all our stuff with us and often we don't recognise that it's a problem until we're put under stress. So until we're in a situation like lockdown, lots of new relationships will have been tootling along quite fine, thanks very much. Oh, let's move in with each other. Oh, now we're three months in this house together just the two of us that is you know that's the ultimate. i take it this is what you're seeing yeah. well yeah because you very quickly find out things about the other person that even they didn't know made them vulnerable yeah so as soon as we expose people's vulnerabilities then we've really got to work hard to to meet to be the partner that meets that person's emotional needs um, and that's you know we're learning that on the job. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that that's why often the people that we love the most 
we maybe struggle the most with because we've kind of made an assumption that well you you love me so you should know that I'm finding this stressful so like, and right, I, that, that old if you loved me you'd yeah, know like what <laughs> I hear that all the time I was like if I have a pound for every time I heard that yeah, yeah. that's such an unfair it's it's something that we do because we don't really I don't want to explain to you all my vulnerabilities I just like you to just know them yeah because it's a bit painful for me to spell them out and I've got lots of feelings attached to them. So can we just say that you know them and I know them and uh, mostly let's try and ignore them, but you can't when it gets stressful. So That's curious, isn't it? So in, you kind of, you, you, you arrive at all this a priori, this, this pre-built information and you assume you've shared it. Yeah. So how do you go about unlocking that? Um, it, it's a really important thing to do and it's often why people find having something like relationship coaching helpful because it's not something you don't say Saturday night should we should we explore each other's vulnerabilities uh, no <laughs> let's watch Strictly actually <laughs> I'm not doing that because I don't you know it's a can of worms that I've no idea once I go there I don't know how that's going to feel and I might not be able to put them all back in the can or those crazy worms so 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 what what I try and do with people is help them in their own time and their own steam help them to just think about you know why is it that you react every time your partner goes out and you said text me when you get there and then they don't text you when they get there and you totally lose it what what's that about so why that that's maybe yeah. to other people a little bit unreasonable what what and you maybe recognize i have an unreasonable reaction to that so what is that about then so what what are you feeling in that moment when the person doesn't do what you've asked them to do so it sounds all sort of a bit deep and meaningful and a bit scary of oh you know it's, it's going to be something to do with your childhood actually it's more just about where's your behavior coming from what thoughts and feelings does it spark in you when that person behaves the way that they do so it's it's more simple than people imagine to, to, to sort of start to yeah. unfold yeah. it. it it's just recognizing when you do that I feel this and so then I respond the way that I respond you get cross with me I get cross with you and we have an argument unnecessarily so, often so is it I mean for all those people out there listening to this and also me out of curiosity because <laughs> I know there's there's moments when I'll get frustrated with, sure. with stuff I mean I run a business with my wife and with Michelle um, and of course, I go home and I have a family life and you know two grown-up kids. Or let's say Jake's just gone to uni, so Harriet's back at home as well. Um, I can feel myself get cross with stuff. Yeah. And I know people around me get cross with me about stuff, which I find frankly illogical and unreasonable. <laughs> but when <laughs> I'm cross, of course, I have a valid. It's valid. <laughs> but if the minute I feel cross, are there ways in which I can? Kind of, I don't have the luxury of being able to sit down with the cancer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of yeah. days a week. So I think we need to talk about this. Yeah. So in my head, can I unravel that kind of? Is it possible to self not yeah. analyze as such? I don't want it to be that deep, but I mean, are there tricks that you can use to help alleviate those kinds of pressure points? Uh, absolutely. 
and it is really it's recognizing this is happening i'm getting all of you have pressed my buttons um and i'm feeling irritated and i i can i can feel the moment coming where i'm just gonna shout at everybody and and storm out in the drama huff Uh, i don't want to do that so it's like pressing pause and say, so why am I feeling irrationally? Uh, Question, before we go any further, how do I know I'm being irrational as opposed to logical? Because every bone in my body will be saying, I have a logical, I have a, a, a logical stress about this situation. It's completely yeah. logical. It makes sense to me. How do I know I'm being irrational as opposed to rational? Um Except okay. for the fact that I'm cross, in which case, of course, I must be so, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so sort of answering that, but not answering that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what I say to people, a really good trick to use, and it's not a trick, actually. It's just a really useful life skill and teach it to your children. Because once you, once you know how to use this, it, it really changes the way you communicate with other people. So often in that moment where you're thinking, mm, I'm, I'm on the edge of, I'm going to lose my rag here. Uh, often the words that we say are you. So you didn't put the bins out. I knew right. you wouldn't do that. You did okay. that last week. Yep. You didn't fill the dishwasher. You know, it's really selfish now. Are I have to mention this all the time. Are you giving us <laughs> proper examples here? <laughs> You know, I think oh, we've all been there. You know that 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 what we do is go into critical mode. Yeah. So I'm going to criticise. I'm cross, and it, and I'm more likely to blame everyone else for why I'm wound up than than re, than it being my fault. Yeah. So I'm going to use you in what I say. Yeah. You know, you're really getting on my nerves. You, it's essentially finger pointing, but in yeah, language. exactly that, exactly that. And as soon as we do the finger pointing. Yeah that that makes us feel a bit better because we've gone oh you're all useless you know <laughs> if only you were a bit more like me this would be going better is what we're really thinking really um so what i try and help my clients to recognize is if you speak from i then you own that moment so if you're about to lose it it's helpful to think to yourself i want to say something because Actually, I feel like everyone's taking the mick because they've all cooked dinner and they've left pots and pans everywhere, haven't filled the dishwasher. You know, come on now. This is... Well, you now know, you're talking about my family. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, 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 we all have those moments. So rather than go storming into the sitting room and go, you know, you're all really winding me up now. You, this, you, that, you, the other. If you can think to say, right, what about this is not okay for me? So I'm feeling like everyone takes me for granted because I think they've all gone to watch telly because they know that I'll get so annoyed that the kitchen is messy, I'll tidy it myself. So I'm feeling like they're, they're taking me for granted. So, so if you can think, right, I, I need to communicate the feeling that I am feeling that everyone's taking me for granted and taking advantage of me. That's where I am. So... That's what I need to communicate. Rather than you're all lazy and you're taking the mickey, that just gets provokes a defensive response. Go in with, guys, I just need you to know that I'm 
but I'm feeling a bit irritated this evening because it feels like you're taking for granted that you can just watch Netflix while I tidy up what's gone on in the kitchen. You're much more likely for everyone to think, oh God, you know, actually he's right. You know, and I feel bad. They're more likely to get off the sofa and go and clear up than if you storm in and accuse everyone of being lazy and et cetera, et cetera. So, so it's, it's, it's about thinking about what, what, what is it that I feel in this moment and how am I going to share that with everyone else? Because just giving your this, that and the other is like pouring petrol on the fire. Yeah. So I see how that would help with the reaction from those you're dealing with. Yeah. How do I diffuse? See, I recognise quite quickly when I'm going. How do I diffuse that component of it? Because if I'm wound up and cross, yeah. I can still inject a lot of venom into the word I. Yeah. How yeah. do I take the heat out of that? I guess you're halfway there in that you recognise that you do it. You know, if, if that's half of the challenge is recognising I'm having that feeling. Um, and people are inherently often not very good at recognising the feeling that they're having. Right. So it can be good to stop yourself in that moment. If, if you know that you can feel it rising, to go, right, I'm going to go and stand in the toilet, you know, just go and isolate yourself and go, what is the feeling? So we're, we're really good at saying, oh, I'm really cross. Hmm. Are you cross though? Or do you feel disappointed and let down by oh, that person? You know, or do you feel that they just undermined you or do you feel disrespected that's different to cross but your yeah. automatic thing is yeah. well i'm cross yeah so if you put yourself in a situation where you go okay paul have a word i'm feeling like i'm going to be cross now am i cross what's underneath yeah. So anger is the thing that we often see in other humans. It's we read anger quickly yeah. in another person. Yeah. But anger is like the banner under which are squillions of other feelings. Yeah. So if you can stop yourself and recognize, actually, I do feel cross, but under that feeling cross is a bit disappointed that you underestimated me there. And actually, I feel a bit sad that you did that. So it's presenting itself as me feeling cross, but really I feel other emotions yeah. other than that. And that de-escalates often, that height yeah. of, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to burst. To It's like letting some air out of the balloon. Yeah. And, and, and if you can learn to do that, you know, that's what we try and teach young people. If you can learn to deflate the balloon, recognise it's there, recognise what is it, what really is it, then you're in charge of that emotion then, rather than it being in charge of you. Yeah. Now, throughout this part of the conversation, we've talked about what I think I would call negative or destructive mm. emotions. I, I, I think they're part of life, so to call them destructive is probably yeah. counterintuitive. I don't know that necessarily that's correct. How can we make someone... We've talked about diffusing tension, mm. but how can we go onto the front foot? How can we make people feel valued? I guess it's it's seeing any opportunity to recognise the experience of the other person. So, um, you know, there might be moments where uh, 
which I'm sure I'm sure you experience where say you're you're taking a photograph of somebody who they do want a photograph of themselves but they're finding the process a bit excruciating and they feel vulnerable and all of their insecurities are suddenly like literally on their skin right there they're feeling this is I'm all the bits of me are under a spotlight in a way that people that don't enjoy that don't put themselves in those situations on purpose um and people that do you know do and that's great but I guess what I will do when I see it's it's a really brave thing to go and have counseling or coaching or whatever it is because you are making yourself vulnerable and human beings do everything to avoid that um so in that moment where you have someone and you want to make it better for them and I'm sure that you have you've learned lots of strategies over the years that you've been doing your job to try and make someone feel more comfortable in that moment. And we do the same, you know, if, if I'm working with someone, I can see they're physically, they can't sit still. It is so uncomfortable for them. So I will try to use their body language as my cue to recognising that person needs something more in this moment. So I would try and say, I recognise that this might be a moment that you're not enjoying. And they're like, and the look of relief is like, you, you absolutely bet I'm not. You know, so often people mm. say, yeah, I'm really not enjoying this. I, I want to be here and I want to talk about it, but I'm not enjoying it. Um, as soon as you name it and it's out there, you can see they're like, okay I feel a bit better about this now because you recognize my fear and so if we can recognize another person's fear uh, and name it and be right and more often than not I think you know we were talking before we started this about intuition and Mm. you know being intuitive about um, the people that you're photographing and and I think that spotting the moment where we it's it's often easy to pick up how someone's feeling because they're making us feel it too that's interesting you know so if someone's feeling awkward if they make you feel awkward even if you it's not a feeling that originated with you but you're you're picking it up from them so it's easy to take a joyful photo of somebody who is genuinely joyful because they're making you feel joyful equally somebody who is feeling really uncomfortable and um is is not able to to um behave in the way that they think you want them to you know naming it and you know sometimes I will say to clients um like to give you an example uh if I had older clients who are much older than me I will name as soon as we get going, that that's a thing in the room, that I'm 20 years younger than you. So this probably feels weird working with someone talking about your relationship when, what do you know, you're 20 years younger than me. You know, if I feel that, then I will call it and you can see them automatically be like, mm. they don't necessarily say it, but you can see them thinking, yeah, glad you, that's, I I'm glad you've brought it up because I feel that there's a level of respect from you now that yes, we do feel a little bit 
of that. It's not tension, but it's a difference. Yeah. It, and and I guess when you're taking people's photographs, you're comfortable because it's what you do. But but for them, like recognizing that what the tension is for them, and and naming it, people much rather you do that than you try and jolly them along and pretend it's all okay. Because that 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 can be, especially if you were if you're working in the way that I do, people don't appreciate that because you're just papering over the cracks. Obviously, you're taking people's photos, you're not counselling them. Uh, well, so, <laughs> there are days in here when I've had to stop people telling me stuff. Uh, yeah, the people do offload. I think that I think there's a there's a couple of different threads and I don't really know which way to jump. Let's jump with language first, um, which is that I was always taught don't talk about the thing you don't want people to feel. So if they're feeling awkward, I'd never talk about them being awkward. I'd draw them away from it because the minute you go, or the minute, I mean, I'd never use this language, but let's be blatant. Mm. The minute you say you look awkward, you've just made it worse. I can't do that. So so as a photographer, I've got to pull, I've got to, so we use language, or I use language anyway, and I'm kind of trying to learn that what you're saying is really interesting because it's counter- what I've learned. Yeah. So, but what's interesting about you said, what you just said was you look awkward. So thinking about how you could still say you look awkward without saying that sentence. So, so if, so if it was me, if I was, if you, if I was taking that person's photo and I could see they look awkward in exactly the same way as someone in the counseling room is, you know, fidgeting with their clothes and shuffling and and looking awkward, I would, rather than say you look awkward, I would say, you know, this can feel like a really awkward situation. So I see, I don't, I would would literally deflect. I I don't mean deflect as in ignore it. I would change tack and watch. I I read people, I've always loved people. I'm curious, Mm. hence the podcast, you know. Yeah. I love being around people. I guess... If I wasn't like that, I think I would find it harder. But I've just, I've always been taught, you never mention the word, you don't want someone to feel sad, awkward. It's interesting awkward. that, because then we're on different pages mm. in from that respect. Oh, I suspect you're far more skilled. I'm not, Be- I'm kind of but, acknowledging that I'm learning But it's here. not, I guess it's not about skill so much as your, what you're trying to achieve in a photo mm, yeah. is different from what I'm trying to achieve helping someone to sort of unravel what's yeah. going on for them. Yeah, there's no depth to my job. But <laughs> <laughs> it's very I think shallow. that's a little unfair. I just want you to look good <laughs> and go away having had a nice time. <laughs> well, but I think surely in order to have had a nice time, the more understood by the person that is in that experience with you, the more understood you feel by them, the, the more likely you are to have had a nice time. So... So again, it's 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 not even like you 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 said uh, the second time you said it. You said you know this could feel a bit awkward. Yes. So so still move it. I would still move it one away from that and make it like we are we are doing this together, and you have recognised that that person feels awkward. So it's about saying you know. Lots of people find this quite awkward and I totally get it. 
And I'll say that to people, you are talking to me about your personal life and essentially I'm a stranger. On paper, that's weird and awkward. In the same way that you're in my, you're in a dark room with me and I've got a camera and I'm shining a light on you. You are in that moment with that person and uh, it's a relief often to people that they they feel safer with you. If their vulnerability feels safer with you if you have read what their vulnerability is. And I feel like what you're what you're saying, your strategy is is a bit like how you would deal with small children. When we recognise that small children are freaking out about something, have, about to have a tantrum, the the best solution to that is is to divert their attention, isn't it? And go, well, we're not going to concentrate on the fact that you're not allowed another biscuit. We're going to go and look at the birds on the bird table. We're go- I'm going to mm. distract you away from yeah. the thing that I know that you're feeling. So I can see that a lot of the time that probably works. So I'm, I'm not saying, you know, the way I do it's right <laughs> and the way you do it's wrong. No, I'm just thinking I've got another arrow in my quiver. I'm just <laughs> thinking there's another technique I've not learned. That it's... It works when you're in the situations that I'm in with people. I find I find calling it out in a way that feels okay. So I will often say, if somebody's, um, they appear angry, but you can tell that actually they feel, um, they're really disappointed mm. by their partner's behavior, yeah. for instance, you know, that, that that actually recognizing, you know, I'm wondering if you feel really disappointed by this situation. Um, that rather than you could see that as, well, that's a bit gloomy, you know, pointing out that they're disappointed, but but that's where they are. Mm-hmm. So you might as well go with the thing that is happening in the room. Yeah. I, I think there is, I mean, there is a difference in the, uh, on the whole, what I'm after is, I suppose, I mean, there's a million ways to word it. I'm after a, a, a nice afternoon out, right? Yeah, of course. I don't necessarily. I do some. Sometimes we dig very deep, mm, and I've mm. had you know people crying here and get cross with life in here and explain things mm. to us that have happened to them. And I think there's that adrenaline moment that people mm. have when they come in. They're exposed. I mean, sure. there's lots in our worlds. There's lots of commonality. Yeah. But the end goals are different. I'm not trying to fix or necessarily help. Certainly not trying to get inside someone's head. Mm. Now, sometimes photography is very cathartic and going through the process of being photographed, I know this because we get the letters back, yeah. is the most liberating yeah. thing someone's done or it gives them confidence or they never believed they could enjoy it or look like that or a million yeah. other very positive outcomes, but they're not your world. Mm. And so the language we use, I, mean, I like the way you say, I treat my clients like children. Thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll be picking up on that. Um, it's not really that. It's more just I have an hour and a half, and it's I don't have next week or the mm, week after. No, I'm not developing it's a anything. Moment, isn't I it? have an hour and a half, and you've you've been a client of mine for a long time. So you know this is how I work of trying to make sure that all of the memories attached are positive. That's actually my job. Yeah, is as a portrait photographer as opposed to a fashion or commercial photographer because those memories are saleable a purely business operation here. You know, I, yeah. I generally want people to have a nice time because I like my clients and yeah. I like them to have a nice time. And that's how I came into the industry. 
But I'm also well tuned to the fact that if they have positive memories, they will buy them. Yeah. If they have a negative experience, yeah. they won't. It doesn't matter how good the picture is. Yeah. If what they attach to that piece of paper or that piece of acrylic or whatever it is on the wall is not a completely positive experience, they won't want to buy it mm. because they'll read it. They'll read, they, they, they see things in that picture that I can't possibly see. They yeah. see themselves vulnerable or uncomfortable or a million other things, you know, mm, mm, or it was mm. the end of a relationship or whatever it is. They see stuff in that picture that I cannot possibly see. So my job is to try and make sure that for an hour and a half or two hours, the whole experience is uplifting and a positive one. Mm. And I suspect that's where the fracture between the two types of language yeah, is. Yeah, and I guess, I guess I, I would still, I would still hold on to that idea of naming the feeling that's in the room is going to contribute to the positive experience even if the feeling isn't positive because it's so if we put it in a different context like going to the doctor and um you are really anxious about having having a treatment done to you or or uh telling them your symptoms because maybe they might sort of get worried and you know immediately send you to hospital so so going into that doctor's room uh if the doctor says i can see that you're anxious about this conversation yeah. um that's helpful yeah because yes i blooming am anxious actually so that makes me feel better that you recognize my my anxiety because then the next step is okay we've got that we we recognize that you feel anxious about me taking your um photo um so my approach would be is there anything is there anything else that you feel anxious about whilst we're yeah whilst we're recognizing <laughs> no i don't mean I like all day. i don't mean like in the rest of your life but i mean like um you know are you uh anxious that i'm gonna take a photo and you won't be able to say i don't like that one can you delete it like do you know what i mean that, that yeah I, I get that i think I think we, I think actually me and you would agree pretty much on 99.9% of this. It's just, you know, I would get ahead of that. Yeah. One of the things we do here, for instance, is I say most of the people who are insecure about being photographed are women, more than men. Mm. Men don't really want to be photographed, mm. but they're not insecure about it. They mm. just don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. Women, on the other hand, are much more body and image conscious and you can even see that in, in the world of makeup and hair and clothing. You know, I mean? yeah. I, they, I'm not I'm not being gender specific. Yeah, it just that's there are how more it is. Women's shots out on the high street than there are men. Yeah, I mean, sure. that's Life, right? I think men don't want to be here, but women are worried about being here. Mm -hmm. And there are different ways of trying to get round that, but mostly it's about the fact that for us here, Sarah does the selections. I mm -hmm. don't, and that's always been a huge a very fast way of bypassing that problem. People say, what happens if I don't like the, what happens or, you know, how does the selection work? Will you get rid of any pictures I don't like? And I say, I don't get rid of any. Sarah does it. She does it because she's not got the biases that I have as a photographer. Mm, mm. Photographers are biased. You know, if I like you, I'll think all your pictures are good, even though I've made you look an odd shape or whatever. Yeah, I just yeah. like you. And, and yeah. I, you know, I like That's people. interesting. So Sarah does it. And we've, I've always had. That's very interesting. Yeah, she does all selections because she's, uh, she's younger than I am, but she's female of an age. Yeah, yeah. 
And when she looks at the pictures, she looks at them through that lens. And I look at the picture as a photographer and as a bloke. You know, I've got yeah. those two factors that I'm looking at it yeah. as. Sarah looks at it not as a photographer and as a woman. Yeah. Very different selection. Yeah. And so it, it means I have to be, if I try and put an image back in that Sarah said no to, I better understand why. why. Sometimes it's because I hit the limit and she's just, you can't have any more. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you've had, there are too many pictures, we can't show them all of them. That's a, that's a nice place. That is interesting, is it? Because it, 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 that's, I guess, the perspective, the perspectives. And that's what I talk to people a lot about in their relationships is, is the perspective. So often the reason two people don't get on is because they don't share the same perspective. And until they make an effort to, to see the situation from the other person's perspective, then they're, they're likely always to experience conflict. And so, so that's an interesting dynamic between the two of you that you can, that you can um, respect one another's perspectives and you recognise how different they are and, and how that actually is helpful in the way that you work together. Oh, it's massively helpful. Yeah, but that's it was the hardest thing I ever did in the business. I was I bet. to let go of my part of the creative process. But I mean, there are a couple of things in our favour, not least of which is Sarah is a brand manager. That was her background, mm. marketing manager, brand manager, and so she manages that process as a brand manager. And so every image goes through, not just whether to her as a woman, to her as my wife, and mm. as me, whether an image gets passes muster. But also as a brand manager, is it on brand? Yeah, yeah. So she runs it as that as well. And of course, she's a much better brand manager than I am. Yeah. I'm too close. I'm way too close to the images. So that's why it's worked. I, I'm not, I've never said it, everyone should do this because <laughs> it could cause you permanent and irreparable damage to your relationship. Yeah. It could do. Yeah. For me, it hasn't. For me, it was liberating. It took a load of work off my plate that I found difficult and I was not very good at. And it put it onto somebody else's plate who also has to spend a lot of time doing it. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. Uh, but is exceptionally good at it. And that's a real level of trust, professional as well as personal, isn't it? You know, you're trusting yeah, I, her. I, I think the trust developed. I don't think yeah. that was... In, I think the first, probably the first year, if I'm being honest, mm -mm. was hard. And I checked everything. I bet, yeah. Um, now, I very rarely go back to the outtakes. We keep everything. I never delete anything, but I never go back. Mm. Question for you. Yes. Obviously, uh, as a portrait photographer, a big chunk of my business is family photography. And by family, I usually mean younger children and a young mm. Sometimes what happens, and I, and I know this because we went on a family shoot, it's very stressful mm. getting a family out the door and into a studio on time and looking clean and tidy. By the time people arrive here, no matter what family they're and how relaxed they are normally, I have inadvertently injected stress <laughs> yeah. into their day. It's the last thing I want. What language and what ideas are there for helping not just take the heat out of that, but put that family in, into a mode where they are completely trusting that actually the way they're going to be portrayed is as a happy, joyous family, just yeah. the way they should be. Yeah, yeah. Just the way they are for just an hour on a Saturday afternoon. Hour and a half. It's an hour and a half, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that often 
expectations are like right at the root of those kinds of situations, aren't they? Like what, what as a mum myself, having had my family photographed and no one ever apart from me wants to have it done and they're doing it to keep me happy. So my ex, so I would come with expectations of, um, this is going to be fun. Um, even though I know nobody else in my family wants to be doing this, but this is going to be fun. So I'm going to enjoy myself. And my expectation is that you guys know that this is important to me. So I'm expecting you to basically show up and be polite and do whatever Paul tells you to do, basically. Um, same for my husband, really. I don't yeah. know why I'm like <laughs> making it sound like it's going to be different for him. I think it's all three boys in your world. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. he's like, uh, mm. um, so I think each person comes with their own expectations, don't they? Yeah. So, you know, your kids, teenage kids maybe are likely to think, well, this is a bit of my life I'm not getting back. I'm not going to enjoy this. Um, you know, this wasn't my idea. Um, I'm not going to like the photos anyway because I hate my haircut or, you know, whatever. That that everybody walks into any situation, really, don't they, with expectations. And I guess for you as the person, you're about to meet those expectations or not. <laughs> and so um, that recognising what is it that these people want to get out of this moment? And as you've, you know, so eloquently put, it is a moment where you somebody wants to feel good about themselves and recognise themselves in the photo and um, and feel joyful and, and positive and that it was a lovely thing to do in the end. I'm sure when people leave, they feel differently to when they came in feeling you know, that sort of um, anticipation about what's going to happen and um, if they're going to feel comfortable or if they're going to like their photo. So I I would say that those moments are worth recognising. I'm sort of back to that again, I suppose, aren't I? Of, what are you what are you expecting of of this afternoon it's kind of like when i arrived with my friends and we bought a bottle of champagne with us the expectations <laughs> were fairly clear we're going to yeah. have a good time yeah. and you're going to capture it and uh i so i'm making an assumption that that was straightforward but but i think that it was clear to you what our expectations were. No, I clung were. on for dear life. That's all I did. I you were clung very on. Brave. I clung on and I, and I rode I rode the rodeo. And I just yeah yeah. And at the end of it they had to mop me down. Was, I can yeah. only apologize. I think I think what I'm exploring is that there's a there's there's a couple of different interesting aspects of family photography. You have the the stressor points, generally yeah. children. Yeah. Or at least your own perception, or no, actually your desire for others to perceive your children in a particular way. It's actually that. Yes, now that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, and then extend that out, and it's an aspirational thing, is how do I, not as a photographer, mm. but as the host of a show, mm. which is slightly different, how do I manage that hour and a half? Or what Are there any tips and tricks I can use that when they leave, 
I've met those aspirations and I've led them through a process where they feel that I've recognized the joy in their family unit. That's hard to put your finger on, mm. isn't it? Because it's a, it's not a, it's not necessarily a thing that you do. No. It's a, it's a moment that you create, isn't it? It's making me think of. Um, so I'll often talk to uh, couples or families about. Um, you've probably heard of like cognitive behavioural therapy. Yeah. So that simple idea of of that of CBT is the way that you behave makes me have thoughts and feelings. Yep. I then respond to my thoughts and feelings by putting out some behavior. So I'm reading your behavior. It's making me have my thoughts and feelings. So then I behave and then you observe my behavior. Yep. So unless you tell me what your thoughts and feelings are, all I'm going on is to observe your behavior and vice versa. So, so the thoughts and feelings become assumed, yeah. don't they? And I, I imagine that when you've got a family in the studio, you're doing that like on absolute megaphone levels in that you are, especially as you're looking through a camera, you are all all you have to have got to work on is observing everyone's behavior so when you look through that when you look through that is it a viewfinder it is a viewfinder god <laughs> well done me when you Top look <laughs> when you look through the viewfinder Talking straight to the photographer's i out. mean <laughs> they're impressed aren't they, they i are. know i can yeah. feel it now yeah yeah um you are intensely observing mm -hmm. their behavior and you're guessing at their thoughts and feelings oh. because unless they say i'm having such a lovely time this is absolutely hilarious isn't this fun i'm i'm so happy and i guess some people do go i'm so happy you're taking this photo of my newborn baby they're, they're very clear about their their what they're thinking and how they're feeling but Generally, we we don't share our thoughts and feelings as a rule. We just share our behaviour, which is observed by the other person. So it's quite an intense environment in which you're doing that, isn't it? In, in the same way that I sit opposite to people who have come to talk about their relationship, and they don't need to say a word. I can tell so much about what's going on and who's the person in the wrong, because often... They've been brought to be told off by the by the relationship person because, you know, you did something wrong. So I'm dragging you along here to get told off by that lady. You can tell that that's what's yeah. going on before they've even said why they're there. So that observed behavior is such a gem of a moment. But the caution is that that sometimes we we form an opinion of what someone's thoughts and feelings are based on just their behavior mm. and there are a lot of assumptions going on there and, yeah. and and often it's easy to assume the wrong thing and to misunderstand you know yeah. it's like when lots of people say actually i'm really shy yeah 
but I'm a mega famous yeah. actress, but really, actually, I'm really shy. And, I'm, and I only feel, you read my behavior, and my behavior is me being hilarious, mm. you know, on stage. But actually, normally, most of the time, I don't, I'm not feeling confident. And I, and I guess maybe what would, what would also be interesting if we're talking about observed behavior, you know, you are intensely observing the behavior of the people that you're photographing um, in order to get the best photograph. Equally, they are intensely observing you in that they are, they are reading your face yeah subconsciously to see whether you go whether across your face comes a what you were describing earlier oh hairs on the back of my neck that is an absolutely brilliant photo i've just taken i suspect people want to be able to read some something back from you that says oh okay this this they feel like they're taking some nice pictures of us because you're so intensely insecure in that moment, however confident you are, you are, you want to like what the end product looks like. You want to feel like, oh, that's me. And I feel nice about myself. And that makes me feel happy looking at that photo. And the only way you can, you know, that there's lots of observed behavior going on, isn't there? That that they're looking at you for that, you know, moment of, that you feel that this is going well. It's, it's a combination of affirmation and aspiration, mm. I think. Mm. I had a lovely client in the other day, a couple uh, whose wedding is in however long away. <laughs> 2050. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> you could have more than three people in your grandma at it. Um, and he wasn't certain about doing an engagement shoot, but we'd got an engagement mm. shoot in. And at the end of the whole process, he, he sat here with Michelle having seen his pictures and I'd come back down and I'd loved it. I had so enjoyed their company, but I do. I, mm. I really value the time I have taking pictures. It's like the greatest gift on earth. Yeah. But he said to Michelle something that was interesting it was, and it was a wording that I hadn't heard before. He said, I didn't know how I was going to feel about it, but at the end of this process, I'm so pleased that Paul loved taking our pictures. That's an interesting series of words. Because I'd come down and I genuinely, I'd loved working with them. I'd loved the pictures. I didn't, I'd come and endorsed the pictures on the screen. And he said, I'm so happy now that Paul loved taking our pictures. Isn't that an interesting that turn of phrase? really, mm. really interesting. Of all the things you could say, yeah. saying that, oh, that's very interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, curious, huh? Yeah, that's very. And what did you say? It was, he said it to Michelle, not to me. Oh, Okay. Okay. I got an email back the day after the shoot that said, we had a right laugh. Say thanks to Paul. <laughs> that was what I got back from him. Uh, and they're, 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 they're just a lovely couple. And I genuinely, you know, beautiful people, um, perfect clients for us. They loved and, every second and of it. And I loved it. isn't that interesting that they were clearly very much observing your behavior? Yes. And that was obviously important to him. I'm only going to enjoy this if I think you're, you're enjoying it. Then that's okay with me. I don't even know if he went in. It. I don't even know if it was that way around. I think he may have surprised himself or yeah. I may have surprised. I don't know. I've, I've not talked to him about it because yeah. obviously this was a message yeah. late. And that's a bit of a deep. Can we have a follow up? Yeah. Can we have <laughs> a chat the about this? That you I think we, made. I think we may, may, may need a beer. <laughs> but you don't know. You know, for some people, they only enjoy an experience 
if the other person they're sharing it with does too. Well, it's like shared laughter watching a comedy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, there's lots of evidence that going to a comedy club enriches the experience vastly as opposed to watching it on your own. Yeah. That's why laughter tracks are on the telly. Yeah. You want to feel like you're part yeah. of something. Or I guess, you know, when somebody cooks you something, you know, if, if you go to a restaurant, the joy maybe for the chef is in you enjoying yeah. their food. Um, but that's interesting that for him it was that you... Yeah, there's probably lots of deep and interesting. That's quite it's, interesting. It's curious, and I was flattered by it, um, as well as pleased for them. Because yeah. it means that the memories that we created for them in the whole process are very positive, and that's my job. But they're often uh, precious. They are precious moments, yes. aren't they, to people? Yes. That I can be sure that I can look at any photos you've ever taken of me or my family, and, and it's a precious moment to me because it... Uh, that's why I've wanted the photo because I've wanted to capture that yeah. moment in time, whatever the moment is about. I think, like talking about synergies between what what you're doing and and what and what I do, when you know it's all about relationships and it's yeah. all about communication, communication. But and the approach, I think your approach is similar to mine, and not all I would say not all people that do my job come from this place unfortunately, um, is if I was to say, what's the one thing that I, I would hope that everybody that leaves a session with me would, the first, the thing that would be most important for me that they would say is that, that I was kind. Yeah. And because yeah. I think out of kindness comes good yeah. things. And if you're not being kind in that moment with those people, then don't you don't have the moment yeah and and i guess that's same for you as, oh, it, uh, as it is for me yeah, you know that yeah. it's it's got to be that you are being kind to that person in whatever way they need you to be kind in that moment whether it's um trying to get a shot that doesn't get their double chins in <laughs> <laughs> Or whether it's a moment where I will try and find something positive in a situation where actually, you know, quite a lot of things are going horribly wrong. It's, I feel like it's my obligation to be kind in that moment and try and find a little tiny thread of something that can be it's, perceived it's, as positive. What I love about this conversation, and I'm so, so thrilled to have it, is that you use slightly different words to me, but the the agenda is identical i would say to someone i will always find something i really like about you i like people naturally i'm, mm -hmm. I'm wired that way i'll like them first and learn their morons later you yeah know? yeah <laughs> that comes and afterwards yeah you don't have to be their friend and you've no, learned that they were a moron yeah, and that's I, sometimes okay. you find that out yeah but i always like someone and i will always i to take a picture of someone that has meaning and i don't mean anything deep in that i no. mean the engagement of that person with my camera, which is me, right? Yes, mm, the camera's yeah. there. Yeah. I don't care whether they connect with the camera. I've got to get them to connect with me and then everybody else who views that picture later, that's what they'll see. You've got to like that person. Yeah. <laughs> because everything about the body language involved, if you don't like someone, how are they going to look back at the camera like they like the viewer of that picture ultimately? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm invisible. I take the picture and then I step away like, ah, oh, it's gone. The next person to see that picture is a viewer who wasn't there, Sarah, mm. and then mm. onwards the family. 
um, only I was there. Only I remember what it felt like to be nose to nose with that person, looking at them directly in their eyes. Well, you have the context, don't you? And yeah. I think that's so. I can get I can get uh, somebody send me an email and say I want to come see you, and this is why. And they'll they'll give you the skeleton of in the same way that someone would say, you know, we want to come and have a family photo shoot. You know, you get you you need the context. So the context brings alive, um, or or puts or puts the puts the detail into that moment, doesn't it? So so interesting thought, I guess, of if you showed a photo and you go right, that's an award winning photo. Now let me tell you the story. Yeah. So then more to know and understand about about that moment that only unless you share the story with other people, only you know. But the challenge as a photographer is that, and, and one of the uh, chairs of judges said this earlier in the year when I was judging for the SWPP, it's not the viewer's fault if they don't get the story you're trying to tell. Mm. As a photographer, you have to tell whatever the story is in your image. And it won't always be the, the story you think you're telling, but it needs to be something. But you I when I'm teaching photographers, I tell them to get a great picture. You have to fall in love with your subject momentarily, mm. briefly. It's nothing sordid. It's simply that to as a portrait photographer, mm. not a fashion photographer. I keep coming back to the same thing. A fashion yeah. photographer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, They're models, it's a dress. right? That's their job. Yeah, yeah, make it look good, honey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Every time you hit the button, the different pose, <laughs> and then you show the pictures to your client, not the models. Yeah, no wonder models are insecure. Yeah, nobody loves right. them. You know, yeah. but portrait photography, you have. To, I feel you have to. I, I take it to a possibly it's logical extreme. I have to fall in love with that person in yeah. some manner, yeah. whether it's their intellect, their sense of humor, their shape, their face, their eyes, their hair, who cares? Mm. There's got to be something for me. And I'll always find something. I will always find something. Sometimes it's a story they tell. I'll fall in love with that. And that's yeah. a, that's, that's a, uh, a need to form a quick relationship, yeah. isn't it? With 60 seconds or the less, moment. isn't it? They say it's yeah. one of those. It's interesting. Yeah. It, and I guess you could be technically very clever at taking a photo of something, but capturing, as you say, a story in a person is a skill that you can go to university and learn everything you like about photography, but you can either do that or you can't. In the same way that talking to people about their relationships, some people have got you know a million more degrees than me but but the way that they you know if they don't if they're not working from kindness those degrees aren't worth a lot in my yeah. opinion but i but i knew and again back to the i knew this would be a lovely conversation to have on a podcast because you are one of those you are the lo- a lovely combination of smart you like you generally like seem to like people you, and you, i love people and, and yeah. dear lord you can talk absolutely so, me, me and you <laughs> so, and I, I think yeah and I, I wonder what would be nice and this is not for this podcast it would be lovely to find out whether you can actually learn that skill or whether it's something that you are born with and I that's a for a different day I think because we could be here for we could be here for ages well if we answer that question we could also market it you know it'd be worth a fortune I think you can you can teach you can teach someone how to uh, have empathy for another person. Oh, can you? 
yeah and 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 that that is that's as close as you can get i would say to um being able to help somebody be better at working with other people and, and needing to be you know needing to have that touch that, that you've been describing I see think. i'm not sure i've got empathy you couldn't I've... you couldn't do your job the job that you do i would say you couldn't do it if you didn't have empathy you absolutely do because <laughs> if you didn't have so empathy like people but but so so like em, there's empathy and sympathy isn't there so if you feeling sympathetic for someone is different to feeling empathy so when you're you know you feel sorry for someone when you feel sympathy oh poor you that's you yeah. know that's rubbish but to to feel empathy for someone is you are you doing that all the time because You've already described that when you look through the lens at someone and you can sense that they're anxious. Oh, so, yes, yeah, so you suppose, are yeah. feeling their anxiety. Yeah. You're stepping in their shoes of anxiety. So you're thinking, "Oh, I recognize, I empathize with their feeling. I'm going to try and alleviate. I'm going to try and do something that makes them feel better." So, if you don't have any empathy, you don't spot that. Right. Okay. And you don't respond to yeah. it. I yeah, maybe I just don't understand the word empathy. <laughs> it's, maybe it's just a fundamental. But I don't think many people we say it and don't really understand. Yeah, I'm going to go and explore. And go and explore. I certainly will. For this final segment of the podcast, we've switched tack slightly. And I told you earlier in the podcast that Kate Nicole is actually a client of mine i photographed her family and i photographed her with her friends and it was that this latter this latter shoot that i wanted to talk a little bit about prior to the podcast talking we'd begun chatting about her love of photography and why having a photograph with her two best friends uh, to celebrate i think it was her 40th birthday was such a powerful thing to do and how much she loves the pictures that she now has hung she has them hung i think in her downstairs loo which the first time i heard a tale of someone doing this to me i was most upset but actually where better to hang a picture where you know your friends are going to spend time looking at it uh, there is nowhere better than the downstairs loo the shoot was a vibrant one. The shoot was a lively one. The shoot involved champagne and three very raucous, very funny, very smart, very energetic ladies. Kate and her two friends came to the studio and just bowled us over. And we keep referring back to a shot where we it's sort of we use the phrase legs akimbo. I will post that image in the footnotes of this podcast so you can see just how much how much of a laugh we were all having and just what the shoot um, was like because I think it explains <laughs> quite a lot. Anyway, we got to chatting about this shoot and why Kate loved it so, so much. Probably because, well, I love a photo. I love uh, the, I'm quite sentimental. So I like I like having... Uh, I like being able to look at a photo and um, 
and know that I'll always have it. Yeah. So it might become a long time ago, but but I'll always have that moment. And I know that I'm going to remember that moment. Otherwise, I won't have chosen that photo to keep. So it becomes then part of your memory, doesn't it? But I think probably because I am, I have two brothers and I have two sons and I have a collection of godsons. And until recently, there was, I've got two, I've got three little nieces now, but that's only in the last like two years. So I've had very much a male dominated life. Yeah. And I love that. I was about to say I love men, but that comes across. <laughs> <laughs> I like male company. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm very happy to have two sons. I wouldn't swap them for the world. Um, and love having two brothers. But that, that sisterhood thing, I'm very much wired as somebody who I, I like that female relationship. Yeah. And I'm very close to my mum. And I'm lucky that she lives up the road and I see her every week. And that's really important to me. And so I think that my female friendships are the sisters that I didn't ever have. So for me, that's, it's like for lots of people, your friends are the family that you choose, aren't they? They're an extension of, so it just seemed, didn't seem like an odd thing to do to me to, you know, I've got lots of pictures of my family, but I don't have, um, you know, I don't have lots of pictures of my friendships. You know, I take, like everybody, take photos on my phone, but to actually have a picture that, would become something that when I'm an old lady, I can look up, look back and go, <laughs> you'll never, oh yeah. <laughs> you'll never be an old lady. <laughs> age, age will catch you up, I'm sure. But <laughs> the idea of you sitting doing embroidery with some fine bone, chi- fine bone china, I'm not convinced. It's not happening. No. <laughs> so I think that's probably why it, I, I'm, I find it interesting that other people maybe would think that it's it's an odd thing to do but to me it was um you know they're they're the people in my life that I would I would do anything yeah. to for them in yeah. the same that we're all like that about our friends aren't we um but I recognize that there's probably not and this is a gender thing and I think it probably to be fair probably is a gender thing that there's probably not many blokes who would say mate i've booked us in for a photo shoot on I'm saturday to think, i'm trying to think of whether i've ever done that <laughs> you, you uh, know like to, there must be one in my history but i'm not convinced there is i think you're right i don't i can't think of one and i i, don't, I guess it's I, I i think that sisterhood is quite a talked about thing now isn't it and i think that um that relationship is girls really look after one another in a different way to men absolutely do it as well in a different way yeah you know you'd be there for your friend if oh, they yeah. phoned yeah. you but yeah. but but sort of how you display your relationship and your friendship with your yeah. mates as a as a as a man is maybe different to the way that to the way that girls do it so my sons for instance just i suspect be pretty confident to say they probably think it's a bit weird 
that there's a picture of me <laughs> and my two friends in our downstairs toilet. You know, don't think they're surprised. Um, but they think they, I would suspect they just think that that's, why would you do that? Um, but that's uh. kind of, I guess, the nice thing about that we all, you know, we all celebrate our relationships in different ways. And yeah, that just why 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 wouldn't you? <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Like I said, I just clung on for dear life. <laughs> it was one of those shoots, and there was shot after shot after shot that just made even now make me smile looking at them. <laughs> well, and and it's it it's becomes more than the photo, doesn't yes. it? When yes. when we're old ladies and we're not doing crochet and we're not drinking tea, we're probably still drinking champagne. Hopefully. Um, you know, that's a, do you remember? And uh, of course we're going to remember because it was a nice opportunity to celebrate our yeah. friendship. It was. And when do you do, I, I'm not sure that you do that, like wedding days celebrate relationships, don't they? But, uh, mm. but your friendships, when do you, when do you really? It's curious, isn't it? Sort of. I think the world would be a better place if we celebrated friendships a little bit more. Uh, yeah. In whatever form. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. It, it's that I think they're they're unsung heroes are our, our, our friendships a lot of the time, I think. I think so too. Thank you for your time. However, we got the last bit to do, which of course every guest, every guest on the Mastering Portrait Photography podcast is asked to nominate and you've brought I can see you digging in your oh, handbag. I'm so is, is, has been asked to nominate a book that I can add to the photographer's library we have here of books and publications that will inspire, bring enjoyment to, educate, or whatever it may be, photographers. What have you brought? So I have bought, and it's not a, it's not a photography book. It doesn't so have I'm to be. I'm hoping that's not what you're after. No, no. Jolly good. Uh, this is called The Five Love Languages, and it is by a gentleman called called Gary Chapman and it is not a big book it's a really easy read but I think every human being should read this book perfect would you like me to tell you why yes okay <laughs> of course I would I the pain of pause is me waiting <laughs> why? tell me why checking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why is um, this book talks about the fact that uh, we all speak our own love language, i.e. the way that we feel loved by another person can be different from one another. So uh, often you might find, well, well, more times than not, in a relationship, the way that one partner feels loved by the other person can be different f to one another. So if I give an example... Um, I have to think of an example now. Um, I might feel uh, loved by my partner's actions. So kind little things. Oh, I bought you your favourite chocolate back from the garage. Um, I, I ran you a bath even though you didn't ask me to. So I might feel loved by those actions. Uh, somebody else might uh, feel loved by their partner uh, by them spending time with them. So often what happens is we assume that our partner has the same love language as us. 
So we assume I ran you a bath. I bought you your favorite chocolate back. You should be feeling loved by me because I did those things that make that mm. I feel loved when you do that for yeah. me. So therefore, I'm assuming that you you feel loved. And then when you don't read those actions as loving, you, you just don't really notice them. Hmm. I'm feeling a little bit naffed off that <laughs> you didn't read my love language here. <laughs> and equally, we I might find, well, you want spending time. If I don't know that you want my time and that's what makes you feel loved if I give you my time, I might not know that. So I might be merrily going off and doing all my different hobbies and this, that and the other and not actually be giving you much time. You are then in a sort of, it's like having a piggy bank. Yeah. Like there's a deficit. I, you need to pay into my piggy bank and I need to pay into yours. And if we're not doing that, then we might end up with a problem. So everyone has a love language. Your children... It doesn't help that you're talking about different currencies going into each piggy bank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and there's one that, that I haven't read his book actually about children, but there's love languages um, in terms of sort of parenting as well. And it just makes so much sense to me. We're all busy creating relationships with all sorts of different people in our life. And it's easy to make the assumption that the way we feel loved is how they also feel loved. And that's not necessarily the case. So this book helps you to uh, identify your partner's love language. So you can be furiously paying into their piggy bank and they feel loved and cared for by you and vice versa. You can be furiously multilingual. Exactly. (laughs) Who wouldn't want to have a bit of that? Perfect. I will post a link to that in the show notes below. Obviously, after I've ferreted out a copy for myself (laughs) on Amazon, I will go and do that. Sorry, Amazon or one of the other many, many Many. great bookshops out there. I will obviously go for the local (laughs) bookshop first. Uh, But for all of you listening in the States and elsewhere, obviously, Amazon is the single most available source of these things. Kate Nicole, it has been a glorious pleasure <laughs> to spend time with you as it always has been uh, but it's nice to record some of this stuff oh, it's been uh, a pleasure oh what an absolute joy it was to spend time talking with kate nicole she's such a font of knowledge and a supremely interesting human being and i hope that the podcast i hope that you've enjoyed the podcast as much as i enjoyed recording it because certainly the number of little nuggets i've taken away from that Uh, particular session are innumerable Uh, with a little bit of luck we'll get to interview Kate Nicole again in the future on various other aspects of relationships both in the workplace and in the home and of course in the photography studio to boot Uh, just a quick reminder the book she mentioned is called the five love languages it's by a guy called Gary Chapman it's readily available it's about a tenner uh, new I'll go and have a look. I think it's about four quid if you buy it secondhand. I suspect the postage will cost you more than the book. I will put a link to that in the show notes for this podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe on whatever is your preferred podcast platform. There are tons of them out there and we're on nearly all of them as far as I can tell. Uh, If there's anything you'd like to ask or any observations, then please do send us your comments. Uh, you can do so uh, by emailing me at paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. That's paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. In the meantime, of course, with everything that's going on in the world, stay safe and whatever else, please 
Be kind to yourselves. Take care.